Well, the United Kingdom is the latest country to try to send asylum seekers to another country to process their claims rather than processing their applications in the UK to determine whether an asylum seeker meets the refugee standard. The government of Boris Johnson announced a plan back in April to send asylum seekers to Rwanda, where they would be resettled, apparently, in return for a payment of 120 million British pounds plus operational costs. Well, the European Court of Human Rights temporarily blocked the first flight from the UK to Rwanda that was set for June 14th. The final legal outcome remains uncertain. Uh, Nick Tan, from a legal perspective, what's the problem with offshore processing? Thanks, David. Great to speak with you again. So in basic terms, I think the problem with these sort of schemes is they essentially both undermine the letter and often or certainly the spirit of human rights and refugee law. Um, so while there's nothing in the Refugee Convention that says, you know, a country can't uh, share responsibility for refugees with another state, um, clearly I think what we're seeing here is attempts to externalise, to delegate, to offshore, um, to rather than share responsibility, to shift it to other countries who are clearly already taking more than their fair share of the, board, the burden and responsibility for asylum seekers and refugees. Um, and I think you're right, David, to point out that this is not just about the procedure question. You know, it's one thing to try to transfer people offshore just to assess whether they need protection or not. But both the UK scheme and indeed the recent Danish legislation envisages both the externalization of the asylum procedure and indeed the complete uh, externalization of any subsequent refugee protection. Um, so it's essentially a one-way ticket. Um, but David, you're the historian here. So tell me, is, is what we're seeing a new phenomenon or is there some historical um, uh, precedents we should be aware of? You know, there are some historical precedents these, these programs are never exactly the same, but the UK has actually conducted various forms of offshoring for a very long time. Um, going back to the 1940s, the British Navy would intercept Jews attempting to reach Palestine and at a certain point began taking them to British controlled Cyprus and uh, Mauritius. Um, so it was not for asylum processing the way that the current scheme is being um, conceived, but but it is similar to the extent that people were being taken to these uh, island locations and being detained for very long periods to try to kind of get rid of the, the problem as it, as it were. There are some more proximate examples. The United States government has conducted offshore screening in Guantanamo for Haitians, at least as early as 1977. Um, there are some other similar kinds of programs that the U.S. government has done. In, in Europe, the Danish government has been talking about doing something like this going back to 1986. Um, th this is a proposal that periodically crops up. And of course, in Australia, uh, since 2001, um, there have been versions of this by sending asylum seekers to, to Nauru and Papua New Guinea. What's really instructive about the Australian case is that most of those people who went through refugee status determination were found to be refugees. And and yet many of them have not been allowed to uh, resettle. So I, I think that you really hit the nail on the head when you said this is an attempt to shirk um, at least these, these softer obligations under international law.
I think one question though was what's you know what is what does the future hold? Is this um, are, are these going to remain sort of outliers, small scale uh, programs, or could we be looking at a new wave of externalization? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, David, and certainly one that many uh, people based in Europe are currently asking. So we have, of course, the UK model, which is sort of off to a spluttering start. Um, as you mentioned, the Danes have their own legislation along these lines. And the other day, Austria came out in support of such an externalization approach. Look, I'm, I'm sort of um, cautiously optimistic here. I, I don't think we're seeing um, a sort of domino of widespread externalization approaches. I think we're talking still about fairly um, left field ideas that often, as you say, sort of come and go without ever being implemented. Um, and the reason for that, I think, is EU asylum law provides really significant protections here. Um, and, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that sometimes these policies fall apart. You know, Israel had a secret agreement with Rwanda and Uganda to deport asylum seekers from Eritrea and uh, Sudan who had reached Israel. Um, and, and eventually that plan collapsed in part because it was so secretive. Um, it had a, an illegitimacy when the details started to leak out into the public sphere. So, you know, what's going to happen to, to this one is, is very much in, uh, in doubt legally. And I guess we'll be finding out in about a month or so when the European Court of Human Rights makes its final determination. But uh, I guess for today, sadly, we are out of time. Uh, this has been David Fitzgerald at the University of California, San Diego, and Nick Tan of the Danish Institute for Human Rights.